As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Well, welcome, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with my co-host, uh, George Rose, and we are Brothers in Arms. That we are. Yes, indeed. It's we're Friday. We're on top of the world, aren't we, Billy? <laughs> we are. It's Friday, <laughs> December 3rd, 2021. This is our last show in 2021. And it's like sort of like the groaning as another year comes by. Can we get, can we get not, past Billy, these? I think this is the end of year five for you and me on this it, show. It is. It, it, right? It's two years of COVID of those five. <laughs> it feels like, right? Like, yeah, two years it feels of like five years of COVID, actually. <laughs> so letting it behind. Interesting news on that we'll talk about on the, the news section of our yeah, show. Yeah, Billy is all riled up today. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and, and so is the producer. Mr. Producer. May, may, the producer might even say something today <laughs> at this point. Actually, for two reasons. It's not because, the producer, Billy. It's Mr. Producer. That's true, Mr. Producer. But actually, <laughs> there's two reasons why he might want to say something. He is the proverbial expert at the radio station on our saint of the month, or in this yes. case, you know, blessed, I guess, right? Or or actually, no, not no. even yet. And venerable. Up, venerable, right? Venerable. So we will talk about that. So he, he might share a little bit, maybe. Um, I'm looking at him right now, and he's, like, not even giving me anything at this point. <laughs> but, no chance. Uh, <laughs> but so we have two topics there. And, and then we have a great uh, guest, our dear friend uh, Damon Owens, <clears throat> who's got an amazing ministry now, Joy to Be. We're going to talk to Damon and see what's going on with him. He's done yeah. some pretty amazing things with uh, the virtual conferences. I mean, he's had, you know, thousands and thousands of people attend his conferences. So it's been pretty cool. <clears throat> so we have Damon. Um, and, you know, ultimately, uh, I guess we always kick off our show. I, show, I, I, I sort of baited us by, by uh, talking about the saint of the month. In this case, it's not an actual beatified saint, but it is a venerable, and it is the, the patron, if you will, of this radio program, this radio station, right? Domestic Church Media. And who is that, George? Well, Billy, that would be uh, Venerable Servant of God, Fulton J. Sheen. Uh, you and I were talking last night, and amazingly, in five years, I, we don't think that we had you done. Uh, I don't think we did Fulton J. Sheen as our Saint of the Month. So, um, and, he, and as you said, he's not a saint yet. But on um, uh, uh, in June of 2012, Pope Benedict XVI announced that the Congregation for the Causes of Saints had recognized Archbishop Sheen's life as one of heroic virtue and proclaimed him Venerable Servant of God, Fulton J. Sheen. And uh, believe it or not, in, in 2009, November 2019, Pope Francis called for uh, Fulton J. Sheen to be beatified mm. uh, just, just a month later. But um, the bishop from uh, Peoria, which is Fulton J. Sheen's home diocese, uh, they asked that, or he announced that the Vatican had decided to postpone the the ceremony uh, in response to a request by some U.S. bishops for further investigation uh, during his time uh, as the bishop of the Diocese of Rochester. Yeah, well, it was definitely, you know, Fulton J. Sheen definitely spoke the truth. Um, and sometimes the truth attracts attention. And uh, there was definitely some interesting battles between 
Venerable, then, venerable and Cardinal Spellman. Cardinal Spellman, yeah. <laughs> who, who, when you look at Cardinal Spellman, it's like, okay, he's got an interesting <laughs> yeah. life there. So, uh, But anyway, go on and tell us yep. a little bit more so about So anyway, so uh, Fulton J. Sheen, what a fascinating man. You know, he was born Peter John Sheen, and he was born on May 8th, 1895 in El Paso, Illinois. He died December 9th, 1979 in New York City. Mm. And... Um, uh, his parents were, uh, his dad was a farmer, uh, Newt Sheen, and his wife, Delia. And they were both, their their parents, not his direct parents, but his grandparents were from Crohan in County Roscommon. So he had the Irish uh, he uh, did heritage. In, he did indeed, did he not? Yes, and he could talk. He had the gift of the... The gift of gab. The gift of the gab, as they say. Uh, and <clears throat> there's an interesting story when he was eight, an eight-year-old boy... Uh, he was serving mass for Bishop John Spalding in P- of Peoria, and he dropped a wine cruet on the floor, and it shattered. Mm-hmm. And after the mass, Bishop Spalding spoke to uh, Bishop, not Bishop Sheen, or Bishop Sheen, <laughs> <laughs> young young Fulton, uh, young Fulton, Fult, young Fulton, and Fulton, I believe, by the way, was his mother's maiden name. That's how he got the name Fulton. Uh, and he was very frightened and upset. But the bishop spoke to him and made two bold predictions about him. First, he said that one day uh, Fulton would study at uh, the University of Louvain in Belgium. And second, he told the young Sheen that someday you will be just as I am. So he wow. had him pegged at eight years old. Well, I mean, there's definitely some <clears throat> prophetic words there. I mean, wow, yeah. that's and, pretty impressive. And Bishop Spalding was one of the founders of the Catholic University of America. Oh, so had a profound influence on, on a young man in Illinois. And... Uh, Fulton graduated, so he's a brilliant man, obviously, as we know, right? Absolutely. I I was surprised, Billy, uh, reading into his biography, how educated he was. Incredibly well-educated. He was brilliant. He could actually, like, recite poetry and verse, like, line for line. Off the top of his head. Off the top of his head. I remember (laughs) remember one time he was was, uh, reciting, uh, you know, Francis Thompson's... uh, um, Hound of Heaven, uh-huh. and he, and he probably was about twelve verses deep, uh, just yeah. off the top of his head. Yeah. Oh, I, I, you know, I fled down the labyrinthine. You know, right. I, I can't do it. It's <laughs> great, huh? could. Yeah, well, he, he graduated as the valedictorian of his high school's class at Spalding Institute in Peoria. He then studied at Saint Viator College in Illinois, and he attended Saint Paul Seminary in Minnesota, and was ordained in nineteen nineteen. So he was about 24 years old when he was uh, ordained. He then earned two, not one, two doctoral degrees. So in 1920, he went to Catholic University for one year, and then he went to the University of Louvain in Belgium, Mm -hmm. and he earned a Ph.D. in philosophy. Uh, And, by the way, became fluent in French during that time as well. And then uh, in 1924, he earned a sacred theology doctorate at the University of St. Thomas Aquinas in Rome. Mm. So a PhD in philosophy and a sacred theology doctorate. Then in 1925, he returned to the Catholic University of America and he taught theology and philosophy there for the next 23 years. And really, that was where he honed his skills as a scholar, educator, orator, and evangelist. Mm. And uh, it's said that his, you know, he taught courses that touched on on everything, both philosophy and, and theology. And 
you know, his uh, lectures were standing room only. He taught in room 112 in McMahon Hall, and uh, uh, a lot of visit students and many visitors would come to hear his lectures. He would never use notes, too. I mean, he would literally stand up there, and he would just preach. Well, he teach. said for each class he taught, it, it would take him, so he would prepare six hours oh, for each class. That. I mean, for him to, to pull off what he pulled off with some of the great stories and examples, and he really was an amazing uh, presenter. In fact, his uh, in my life, his book, Peace of Soul, really had great influence on me. I recommend that as an amazing read for anyone interested in and maybe diving into the mind of, of, of Fulton J. Sheen in a very practical way for you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? In some ways, but when he finished his doctorates and everything, it was 1925, right? He returned to Catholic University of America. So he, remember, he was born in 1895, so he was 30 years old. Very similar to another uh, person that we know in history, right? Jesus, when he started his ministry That's at the age true. of 30, right? <laughs> but the amount of preparation and time, uh, uh, of study it took for him to get to that point where he could start his ministry and become the person he was meant to be uh, over a decade, right? Uh, if you include, you know, if you include his high school and early uh, learning, I mean, probably longer than that, right? So it's it's kind of it's pretty interesting the amount of time and that was put into becoming uh, ready to to start his ministry, <clears throat> and. Um, while he was doing this, he also gave, uh, starting in 1930, he gave weekly talks on the Catholic Hour. Uh, they had invited him onto the show, and you know he presented Catholic teaching in a way that had never been done before. And he addressed topics ranging from the devotion to the Blessed Mother to the dangers of communism. And he had a really re- unique perspective, which was rooted in his thorough knowledge of the philosophical thought of St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, w- I would say it's safe to say that he was a, a Thomist. I would oh, imagine, very much so. Right? right? Very much so. My, my, I think I, you know this, Bill. My grandfather was a Thomist. He was a philosophy professor. He got his Ph.D. at Columbia University, taught at Notre Dame for a while, then at Queens College in New York. And he never, I don't remember my grandfather talking to me about Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, but I would have to imagine he had a big impact on maybe one of the reasons why my grandfather became a Thomist. Who also, by the way, was born in Ireland. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. It, I, I would imagine there could be a connection there for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, one one of the big things that was really cool about Fulton J. Sheen, one of the lessons we can draw from his life was that he started his day with one hour of Eucharistic adoration. Everything yes. he did was Christ centered, and obviously Mary as a as a path to Jesus. But adoration was such a big part of his life, and he talked a lot about that. Yeah, throughout his whole life, uh, he was known for. Uh, uh, consistency in his in his daily holy hour, and as you said, Bill, his his entire life. I think after since he was ordained, he every day spent an hour in front of the Eucharist. Yep, um, which is remarkable considering how much, how much accomplished. Yeah, yeah, yeah and how much he had to do. Right. Yeah. So um, there was a, a quote I had here from um, here it is. Um, it was a consistent theme theme throughout his life, and especially in the later years. Uh, and there was an author, Michael Dub. Dubruyel, who said, there is no one in the modern church who has done more to popularize the practice of praying in the presence of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament than uh, Fulton J. Sheen. Yeah, I mean, he did it on network TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yep. mean, his show was more popular than anything else at one point, uh, you know. During his time at Catholic University, he maintained <laughs> the daily holy hour. Uh, they say he prayed in Caldwell Chapel and a private chapel in his residence. 
Uh, he never failed to keep it. And, you know, and he died on the floor of his private chapel in uh, our Lord's presence wow. uh, in 1979. And he died in his chapel, presumably in front of the Blessed Sacrament. That um, probably that says a lot about him, you know, that yeah. he died before Jesus. I, I remember when I was um, first married, Jen and I were in um, St. Joseph's Parish in Bogota was a parish I was um, born and raised in, baptized in, just like the mysterious producer here. Um, and and uh, there was a there was a man. It was it was like a during Advent, and he was a few aisles up on the left hand side of us, and he started turning like a little bit of colors. And we I was noticing this. He was paling out, if you will, and he ended up dying mm. in in mass. And uh, you know the people came in. Mass continued because mass is a, is a you know mystery, a heavenly mystery. So the mass continued while this was going on, and paramedics came and everything. And really, I got I didn't to know that. Yeah, he died. Wow. Yeah, you can't stop once you start. So wow, um, it was it was really in some ways it was really touching. What a in some ways what a grace mm. that your last moments on this planet, in the case of Fulton Jashin, was before Christ, and the last moments of this man's life. You know, Christ was being raised in the mass. I mm. mean, it's not a bad way to go. Listen, yeah, I died, but where was I? <laughs> it's a great way to go. <laughs> you know, so I, I, no, as Christophonic says, no one gets out of here alive, Billy. Right? No, so. we're all terminal, right? It's, <laughs> it's a matter of where you die. <laughs> that would so, be the place I want to go. <laughs> exactly. So it's that's it's sort of a testimony in a way. Yeah. Um. So back to uh, Archbishop Sheen. Um. He, uh, as I said, he really honed his chops at Catholic University and also on the Catholic Hour on the radio. And uh, uh, in 1950, he left uh, Catholic University um, after having been there for 23 years. He became national director of the Society for the Propagation uh, of the Faith. And he was already one of the most well-known Catholics of his time. Uh, but the next chapter of his mission was about to start. And, you know, he was consecrated a bishop on June 11, 1951, and then in the fall of that year began his famous television series, Life is Worth Living, which everybody knows about. Oh, no doubt right? about it, yeah. Um, and it and was, if you don't, you can actually Maybe younger people don't, You can don't, get a lot right? of those but, shows, actually. You can get access to them. You can either buy them on CD or, or do Google, a lot of them are free, I'm sure, on do YouTube. Do Google and search, and he has a website yeah. dedicated to, to him that uh, I think all the shows are available there. And it was a huge success and eventually reached an estimated... Guess how many viewers, Billy, per week watched him? I don't know. Tell me. 30 million. 30, how about that? <laughs> 30 million. 30 million You know, million it's considered people. like good good numbers nowadays for like the cable news shows like, and that, like, like the top show. Like like 10 million or something, right? It's like no, a low number. more like 3 million. 3 million. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, it's amazing, right? And remember, the U.S. population was a lot less back then. It's 50 years, 60, 70 years ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so. 30 million. You got It's huge. I mean, it's it's the most in history. Uh, it's the mo- It was the most widely viewed religious series in the history of television. And he won an Emmy Award for Most Outstanding TV Personality. He was featured on the cover of Time magazine, and he became one of the most influential Catholics of the 20th century. So uh, just really remarkable. A um, couple other little tidbits. Between 1962 and 1965, he attended all the sessions of the Second Vatican Council. He worked very closely with uh, Father Joseph Ratzinger at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> Father Ratzinger said that uh, at night, um, uh, Fulton Sheen would 
fascinate us with in the evening with his talks. Let oh, me just give talks that? to the, How about right. you, you fascinated Ratzinger, the consummate intellectual? <laughs> right? That's not a bad, right? that's not a bad uh, you know, <laughs> place to be. Yeah, so um, two months before his death, uh, Pope John Paul II visited New York and was at St. Patrick's Cathedral uh, in New York, and they met. And uh, in that encounter, it was on October 2nd, 1979, the Holy Father embraced him, hugged him, mm. and said, you have written and spoken well of the Lord Jesus. You yeah. are a loyal son of the church. Wow. So so let's get this straight. He is embraced by Peter. Yep. Embraced by Peter and passes before Christ. I don't know. A couple months later. I asked. It's just a couple I, it, months it, later it that he long. died. Yeah, that's right? I tell you, he, he really is. And what, the great thing about... Um, Venerable Sheen is he's left us so much on, on video, on audio, uh, yeah, and in written, yeah. Uh, he, he's, he's oh yeah, he's accessible. He wrote over seventy books. He's so <laughs> I accessible. Mean, it's amazing. So, I mean, some of his talks were just phenomenal. I remember listening to him years ago. Um, and it's just a reminder that I need to dive back to them. I have them like on cassette tape. You know, I don't think yeah. I have a cassette player anymore. But what a great evangelist yeah, he really was. Amazing. So, I guess. Uh, Let's uh, pray for the cause of Venerable Sheen, and let's ask him for our prayers uh, as we profess forward in, into this uh, pray f- Advent season. Pray for his intercession for us. Indeed. Yes. So, Venerable Fulton Sheen, pray for us. Uh, guys, we're going to be back in two minutes with uh, the news. Uh, I guess in this case, probably going to be more national news than Strap local. Strap in. Get ready. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> See you in two. Scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy makes you attractive, helps you enjoy life, safeguards your energy. Being resentful, angry, and miserable just makes you tired. Joy is strength. That's why the devil wants to rob your joy. He wants to sap your strength. He wants to steal that next great moment with your kids and have you be focused on mean stuff someone did to you at work instead. Ever think of how easy it is to focus on something negative that happened to you and how hard it is to stay focused on positive things? We never tend to obsess on positive interactions like, dang it, I just can't shake the thought of that guy who was kind enough to let me in front of him on the freeway. (laughs) Right? Listen, you only get about 30,000 days on this earth. Don't ever give a whole day to being angry at somebody else's bad behavior. No one is worth that. As St. Teresa of Avila said, let nothing disturb you. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I told her I love her. Instead of sitting on the couch, I helped clean up. I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I sent my husband a love email. What have I done for my marriage today? It's a good question. I gave her a call and say, thinking of it. And the kids. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> We're going to the museums as a family. What have I done for my marriage today? I made my wife coffee and breakfast this morning. It's going to be her birthday next week, so I've been spending time today making arrangements to make that extra special. Oh, we're spending the day together. I bought her an orchid. <laughs> Hassan was able to let me sleep in by taking him care of him in the morning. I read the newspaper to my wife, and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Small changes can make a world of difference. Get started at foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Marm here at my co-host, George Rose. We are brothers in arms, 
And we just uh, gave a little dissertation, or I should say George did, on venerable Fulton J. Seen. So we're going to be asking for his intercession in this Advent season and, and certainly pray for his cause. He was truly an amazing gift to the world. Yes. Um, so now we're going to actually talk a little bit about some news. And, and George, you want to kick us off? Yeah, uh, sure, Billy. Um, first item is just wanted to make everybody aware of uh, a movie about St. Joseph. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called St. Joseph, Our Spiritual Father, which was produced by the Knights of Columbus. And believe it, it's actually aired um, on ABC. Uh, uh, it's this fall, it's the article I'm reading, I'm kind of surprised if I haven't. We yeah, haven't heard I, about I that. I didn't pick but, up on that. Yeah, I'm not sure where on ABC it, it aired. But, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, which is phenomenal. But um, uh, it, it's available at no cost. But the Knights of Columbus have decided starting December 8th, nice date there, the Immaculate Conception, yes. right? Um, but but also that's when the, the end of the special year of St. Joseph is. Mm-hmm. So starting on that date, it's going to become uh, available for free. It's a 60-minute uh, movie. Uh, and you can go to KOFC, KFC.org, uh, to find it. And being that, that the year of St. Joseph is officially ending December 8th, but the de- that day should also signal that devotion to St. Joseph should now continue to strengthen and grow. One of the great treasures of the year of St. Joseph is this new film produced by the Knights of Columbus. And it says here it aired on several ABC affiliates throughout the country in October and November, so maybe not nationally, but on, on local affiliates. That's phenomenal. He he is well. He's my patron saint. Uh, yeah, in my life, I he know is, that. He yep. has played an immense role, and he still does. So I I really recommend in these times, as as particularly the guys that are listening, who this show is is really more geared to, to develop that relationship. Yes, um, he 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 is. He knows your struggles. Yep, he was a man. Right. Yep. He is a man, right? Fully realized now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go to St. Joseph. Go to St. Joseph in your dark times. Go to St. Joseph in your celebrations. He is he is your, your role model. He's, He's our been role there. Model. He's, He's been, been there, there and experienced everything even worse than, than some of us with uh, some of the things that he went through with his, his family, protecting his family during dark and harrowing times, right? He has, and he yes. wanted to kill his kill his son before he was even, you know, a week old. Can you imagine <laughs> that? Talk about stress. Yeah, yeah. we don't have any stress. He had to <laughs> flee to another country on a donkey. Yeah, right. You know, so great, crazy. He's an ma- amazing, amazing saint, and I, I'm going to watch this movie. Yeah, so. I can't wait to see it too, Billy. I didn't know. I, I can't believe we didn't know about it. So the film was, you know, the Knights chose an award-winning uh, studio, Spirit Juice Studios, uh, which was really high quality studio. So this is like it's, well, we saw you saw it showed us the ad. It looks. We phenomenal. watched the trailer. It yeah, looks it looks phenomenal. really good. So. Um, and it's a sixty minute film. Uh, begins with an on uh, narration on screen by uh, Father Donald Calloway, who authored well, Consecration to Saint Joseph, which I did in this past year. And you know the film basically interweaves the story of Saint Joseph and the Gospels with the stories of individuals and families whose lives have been enriched when they turn to St. Joseph. There's a bunch of different stories in there. A lot of them are going to bring you to tears. And I would, you know, highly recommend going to kfc.org and, and check out the uh, the movie with your family. Uh, I'm game. Guys, let's do it. Um, speaking of um, uh, media and things like that, I'm going to, before I kick into the article I wanted to talk about, um, I'm, I'm reading right now 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. And I have to say, I really recommend Jordan this book. Peterson. Who's that, Billy? Well, he's a psychologist, and he's a professor at the University of Toronto. And in the last four or five years, he sort of 
come under really a, he's been an explosion on the scene um, as I think a very clear thinker. Um, but he's been very uh, uh, politically via, uh, you know, attacked, if you will, by some. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, his book has nothing to do with politics and so much of what he says has nothing to do with politics. In fact, the 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 um, secondary uh, line of his book is it's 12 rules for life and it's an antidote to chaos. Mm-hmm. And he defines, you know, chaos sort of as as well, chaos, you know, in, in our own personal lives and society and all those things. It sort of reminded me of uh, what Peter Kraft uh, coined as Colson's law that, you know, a society, you know, will only stand one of two ways out of chaos, and that's either through a conscience, like, will it self-govern itself, or is going to be by cops. So mm-hmm. either it's going to be totalitarianism to keep you out of chaos, or it's going to be conscious. We were founded as a nation of self-determinate, self-governing people, and that's how we had the freedoms we have. And he he, he, he talks a little bit about that concept um, geopolitically and all that, but more importantly about, you know, individually. Mm-hmm. And and the the need for us to 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 grow individually. It's a phenomenal book, and I just really recommend. Yeah, he's really good. I'm in the midst of it. Yeah. I recommend everyone take a look at that. A lot of videos, talks out there too. That he's, he's, br- given, he's brilliant. brilliant. I mean, he his vocab. I've never seen someone with such a high vocabulary. Just yeah, and, and he's a brilliant uh, man, and and I, I really in, I'm enjoying his book for sure. Um, yeah, he's kind of like uh, an anti woke, I would say. Not not by intention. Yeah, just not by intention. Naturally, because his he's there's so much clarity honest. in his thinking. <laughs> he's so nakedly intellectually honest. Yes, and he pisses people up on, on the left, and he pisses people up on the far right. Um, he's just so intellectually honest. He is yeah. who he is, and yeah. and his his personal goal. One of the chapters of his book, I believe, is chapter eight, is just about being truthful. Yeah. And it's in a marvelous chapter, by the way. It's um, so I recommend him um, for anyone who's interested. You, you could just, I mean, guys, you go on YouTube and find thousands of his videos. Um, he's being taped all the time, but his book is just phenomenal. I'm actually listening to it. Mm. So when I drive, and I can only listen to it in bits and bites because he gives you so much to think about. Yeah. So um, again, recommend 12 Rules for Life for Jordan Peterson. Um, the final thing before we actually uh, go to break and uh, introduce you, you to our guest is, you know, I, I want to preface this this abstract that was recently published in circulation by saying that um, I am not anti-vaccine. Three months ago, I got my tetanus shot and everything. I'm fully vaccinated. Um, I wanted to stay away from the COVID vaccinations, not because, well, for two reasons. One, I had COVID, right? So I, I've got antibodies and my, my B cells are educated, if you will. So I didn't see the need for it. But more importantly, because, you know, if you really follow science and understand science, you, you understand that there is a process um, to study drugs and vaccines to make sure they're safe and efficacious. And part of that process is, you know, you have two uh, efficacy studies and then there's a three-year long-term safety study. But before you even get to that, there's preclinical work in animals and all that stuff to make sure that this isn't causing harm. And I, I have uh, some knowledge in that world. I've been in the medical field for 25 years. Um, I've launched drugs, vaccines. Uh, in fact, in, two, in 1999, actually, I launched in Manhattan the Limerix vaccine, which was a vaccine for Lyme disease. And this vaccine went through all the FDA trials, uh, long-term trials, three years studied, and it was marked and, and uh, hyped to be this amazing shot for this really debilitating disease that treats the bacteria Borrelia burgdorferi, which 
is the Lyme vaccine or the Lyme uh, virus. Um, but within eight months of the launch of this vaccine, it was pulled from the market because it was causing latent autoimmune conditions in people and so forth. Now, this happened despite all of the preclinical animal studies, safety and efficacy studies, short term, long term, and this was pulled. And this is not completely uncommon. Right now, my fear with the vaccines was, well, they didn't have this preclinical data, mm. didn't even have safety data or even really very good efficacy data, quite frankly. And we sort of learned that retrospectively, this is not even going to stop you from getting the virus. Seems to be diminishing symptoms. Then again, this is a virus that seems to have a 99% survivability. And if you're young, it's nearly, in, I don't know, there's never any possible. There's a super rare incidence of, of major sickness and, and, and death. So like logic is, I'm, I'm struggling. I've been struggling with this. Well, I was put in a situation where I was going to lose my job if I didn't get this shot in October. Um, I did the research. I, I spoke to my family. Um, my family was not in a position for us to be able to survive without it. So I, you know, made the decision I was going to get the shot. And if, you know, God was going to take me because of this at some point, or I was going to have problems. Well, I did it for my family and I, I could justify that decision. Mm. Um, so I got the Johnson and Johnson shot. Um, they say it's less efficacious. Doesn't, didn't, I didn't care how efficacious it was quite frankly, because I had the virus. Mm. Um, I've had numbness in my left foot since. Um, intermittently on and off. Um, I haven't really felt completely right since that shot. That's me. I'm, a, I'm an N of one. It's anecdotal, 100%. And I recognize that everyone has to make very difficult decisions with this. And, and it's your decision to make. But there is a strong argument um, for further discussion on this that seems to be being suppressed, and that sort of frightens me. We know that totalitarianism in nations has occurred. We've, we've had in the 20th century some of the worst totalitarian regimes from the left and the right in Nazism and the communism. And in every case, deaths occurred. In every case, truth was suppressed. In every case, free dialogue was suppressed. Um, and I can't help but be, you know, my, my, my bells are ringing. My, my gut is churning. Um, that all said, um, just recently, um, in November last month, in Circulation, which is perhaps the most reputable cardiothoracic, cardiovascular journal in the world, certainly up there, published an abstract uh, by Stephen Grundy, uh, who is a cardiothoracic surgeon. And uh, the study, and this is a published abstract, is it says mRNA, so we're talking about the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine, um, the mRNA COVID vaccines dramatically increase endothelial inflammation markers and ACS risks as measured by the pulse cardiac test. A warning. So the article basically states, and this is an article. Yeah, can you put that in English, concern. Billy? <laughs> well, basically, you know, we've all heard like through the grapevine, through, you know, news blurbs that seem to disappear quickly about all these cardiac events occurring, especially in the young mm -hmm. post-vaccine we're seeing soccer players die. We're seeing athletes have heart attacks and having uh, myocardial events. So what they're saying, and I'll surmise the study, I'll read the conclusion of the study because uh, it sort of outlines what's going on or, or at least what this study, this uh, abstract seemed to uh, discover. And that is, in quote, we conclude that the mRNA vax dramatically increase inflammation. So that's 
inflammation in the body, systemic, and then the endothelium, which is in your, your, your bloodstream and all that, your arteries and veins. The mRNA vax dramatically increase inflammation on the endothelium and T cell infiltration of cardiac muscle, and may amount for the uh, and may amount for the observations of increased thrombosis, cardiomyopathy, and other vascular events following vaccination. So inflammation um, in the endothelium, um, in cardiac tissue, um, this can cause myocardial events. It's the endothelium, Billy. So this is the lining of your arteries and so forth. Okay. So so it causes the, inflammation in the, they in, seem, in the lining you know, of your arteries. In layman's terms, arteries. The, the mRNA vaccine or the mRNA um, messaging seems to embed itself in tissue mm-hmm. and cause inflammation. Um, so inflammation can particularly lead to a lot related of to the, the, the heart, the heart. <laughs> so and we've and we've heard a lot of these things. So my my question is this: um, Why is this not getting more press? Um, I suspect at some point. Google and a lot of these other agencies are going to suppress access to this abstract, despite the weight of the periodical. I, I recognize it's one abstract, uh, but it, it should give you reason to pause. Um, right now, people are scared. I Man, people are scared with this virus. I get it. Um, but, but dive deep into the literature a little bit. Um, and let's not be ruled by fear either way. Mm. I got I got the J and J shot. If you know what, I'm terminal anyway. If it takes me, so be it. I had to make a tough decision. You know, can I provide for my family or not? But let's look at the data. Let's be intellectually honest. Maybe in the end, in three or four years, you know what? It wasn't so bad. You know, when we when we have the ability to look back retrospectively. But I will tell you that these vaccines would not have gotten approved if it weren't for the, the fear that is, is, that is out there. I mean, mm-hmm. they did not pass the scrutiny. The VIRS side effect mm. um, uh, government website has, has shown more side effects from this vaccine than any vaccine in combined since the 1950s when they've been measuring side effects. Yeah, that's the, effects. Uh, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting Correct. System, right, Billy, which is run by the CDC? Yeah, it, it is indeed. Operated by the it, CDC? It is indeed. So I, this is there's a lot to really digest here. And I, I, I can't... It, I can't understand. I mean, when you look at the mortality, um, it's so low. So to put us in harm, to put even young people, everyone in harm or potential issues from this vaccine seems to be a a greater threat than the virus. Mm. Not to say that people have died from this virus. They have, especially people with comorbidities, you know, when they're obese or have diabetes or other conditions. Those are the highest risk piece, the elderly. But to quite frankly, those are always the highest risk for any situation. If you're going to get surgery, you're, you know, you're. Well, and those would be people who the vaccine would be most appropriate for. I would agree. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> but, you know, there's something going on here. Um, you know, I'm scared. I'm a little nervous about uh, this, this man that's pushing all of this, Fauci. He sort of did not do such a good job with the age crisis where he started in the government. Um, and he seems just too connected. Mm. to a lot of these companies. So I, I'm, you know, listen, I'm going to really piss a lot of people off. <laughs> I am. I, I get it. Um, but the only thing I ask is just do your due diligence. Try to get emotionally out of this and look at both sides of it and understand that there is a legitimate argument on both sides of this. And I'm a guy who got the shot. 
So um, this is frightening, um, but it's real. So we're putting it out there. Well said, Billy. Uh, very heartfelt, and and you're and you basically you know you're sharing your experience and your your knowledge in the medical field, and uh, I appreciate that personally. Thank you for. Oh, and then Jet and George, you had to make that there. decision as well, and you, you you got the shot. I did as well. My yeah. uh, oncologist really really strongly insisted when I was going to be uh, before I started chemotherapy that my immune system was going to be so suppressed, you know, by chemotherapy that she really was insistent that I get it and. Same as you with my wife and my, my family, uh, prayed about it and thought my wife wasn't happy <laughs> that I was getting it. Um, but, uh, I got the J and J shot too, and really didn't have any, uh, uh, side effects from it. Uh, so it, it was, it was okay. Uh, you know, but each person, you know, really we should have the freedom to choose well, what we want to do. Well, that's sort of right? what it comes down to at this point. It's like, um, you know, dialogue should be open. Yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want to sabotage our entire program. We have an amazing guest that we just shortened his time, and I'm going <laughs> to apologize. But um, uh, let's let's go to break, George, and Alrighty. we'll come back with uh, our our good buddy Damon. It started like it does for many people. Question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the, the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have uh, the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for, for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to and I know where I'm going and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Father Benedict Groeschel. There are legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life, lives of unborn children. And they got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism and the encyclical Romane Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose. We are brothers in arms, and we have shooken up the world. I I, I hope not, but... We got a our, brother with big arms coming on the show do, now. We do, we <laughs> do. This is a, our, our, our dear friend and uh, amazing uh, Catholic man, role model in the year of St. Joseph, role model to me personally, um, and that's Damon Owens. How are you, my brother? Oh, man, you, you're killing me. Keep the bar low. <laughs> keep, keep the bar low. 
underwhelmed and over over overexposed. No, you are my friend. You guys. Uh, it, you know, we we love having you on on the program, Damon. You you're doing so many amazing things, and and I think um, you know, amid COVID and and the challenges, you've done so much more. Um, and and we're going to ask you to sort of elaborate a little bit on that george george uh, for the sake of the audience that doesn't know you george wants to quickly run through your your background real quick if that's all right so bear yeah. with us on that yeah so <laughs> guys uh so damon is he's the executive director of the theology of the body institute uh he is the founder of joy-filled marriage new jersey and also new jersey natural family planning association and these are all nonprofit organizations that are dedicated to building a marriage culture through training, seminars, conferences, and, and all that kind of stuff. And Damon and his wife, Melanie, have been teaching NFP since 1993 and are the program coordinators mm-hmm. for the Archdiocese of, of Newark. I, I'm not sure if all of that's still accurate because I know you got some new things going on now too, Damon. Um, yeah, but, that's 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 got some age on it. Does it? <laughs> history, a whole lot of stuff. It's a good thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's it's not as good, and, and it's been, uh, been blessing for many years. And you're from you're from New Jersey. You're a Jersey guy. Um, oh yeah, and you were an Eagle Scout, which is very impressive. Um, you earned your uh, degree in mechanical engineering from Brown in 1988, and a master's in mechanical engineering from uh, University of California Berkeley a couple years later. And you founded right. you you worked at a major technology firm for what thirteen years, and then you founded a technology startup in two thousand one. Before you, I guess you sold it and went into full time uh, ministry, right? Oh, I'm going to hire you for the bio. That's there you go. Imagine <laughs> each one of those had so much emotion and so much importance at the time, and now mm. it's a it's literally a sentence on a on a bio. So uh-huh. yeah, all that's true. All that's true. And it's part of the formation. It's part of the call. It's part of the, you know, the, uh, the chastisement as it were, and really the preparation for full-time ministry since 2002. So God is good. And, you know, our current work right now, my wife, Melanie and I, uh, we're coming up on 29 years of marriage. Wow. We, um, really been called to back together in marriage and our our newest venture over the last year and a half has been what we call Joyful Ever After. Mm. And Joyful Ever After is, uh, you know, this, this uh, baby that was born during COVID shut-in, but that's the way the Lord wanted it. And it really is a chance to work with uh, you know, work with married couples in a way that we have focused so many years on for marriage preparation. Really want to pay right attention to, you know, to the millions of couples who are really trying to live this great sacrament of marriage. And live it in community, live it in friendship, live it uh, in a way that uh, uh, fights the isolation, it fights the fear, the doubt, and those surprises that I know men of faith like you have uh, experienced, where, you know, friends in our circle, all of a sudden you get the announcement that they're separating, mm. they're divorcing, and you had no idea, no mm. idea. And I'm just, I'm, I'm honestly tired of, of getting those calls and those emails and those did you knows, and we really want to follow the Lord's will in bringing to bear what community can do in, uh, in building up the sacrament of marriage. Wow. It's definitely, it's a, it's an undiscussed epi- epidemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they, they say the percentages of divorce are going down. That's only because the percentage of people getting married are going down. <laughs> so if you're willing to do it, you're, you're a little more serious, I think. Um, yeah. 
But yeah. um, so t- tell us about. Um, I was blown away with you. You had um, some amazing conferences online with some unbelievable attendance numbers. Uh, what's the feedback uh, been with regards to those? Yeah. So just real quickly, we we, we formed in um, February 2020, just before the big shutdowns and in March and things happened. And the vision has always been, you know, building as I said, community, but small groups, groups of uh, friends and rekindling that art of friendship. But of course the shut-in made all that impossible to launch from. So we pivoted pretty quickly and we're part of that movement that um, still around of, of virtual online events, but we were sort of the wild, wild west, not knowing who would show up, not knowing how to market it, not knowing if people are going to sit on a, a Zoom or, you know, download. We didn't know what was going to happen. So we went ahead and just prayed it through, and uh, we hosted the Catholic Marriage Summit, mm. which was June uh, 10th of 2020. And, oh, my goodness, people responded. We ended still, people still attending it. Digital, it's online, but over thirty-nine thousand couples. Amazing, stunning. Attended that, that is over a amazing. Mm. And yeah, it's absolutely amazing. It was a great launch for the ministry. It was a great proof of concept. And as I just said to somebody the other day, it's uh, you know, we, we were fighting since then, sort of what, what the uh, digital marketers call vanity numbers, right? Those yeah. that sounds like a big, huge number, and it is. It is. It's impressive. But the real story is not ministry success with that number. The real story is the people. That it's proof of concept that there are people who are looking to thrive in marriage, they're looking for help, they're looking for community, all the things that we we led with, and that number really is is for us the deepest meaning is that uh, there are people out there that want this, and uh, we followed up this year with what we call Epic Intimacy, and it's a it's a four lesson program. Actually, they're free. I encourage your, your listeners to go to Epic Intimacy, E P I C Intimacy, all one word dot org. EpicIntimacy.org. It's a four-day free challenge: emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, intellectual intimacy, and communicative. Mm. And that was sort of the tip of the spear of a longer program, uh, Epic Intimacy. And um, we had over twenty-one thousand couples taking the Epic Intimacy Challenge in August of this year. And uh, wow. it's really, again, it's a chance for us to 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 test, but also to see you know, how can we serve. Couples today living real marriages, real challenges, real ups and downs, and and uh, marriages is, is not just a vocational sacrament; it's also a sacrament of healing. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of healing that has to happen individually and as a couple. And you know, some places you just don't go there alone. You need uh, friends, you need coaches, you need mentors. Sometimes you need professional help, some spiritual direction, and really the art of prayer. So a lot, a lot there. EpicIntimacy.org is really what's on the radar right now. That's amazing. You know, I, I think uh, in a lot of ways, marriage is uh, clearly a gift from God as a proving ground for the person to move away from the self. You know, we um, we're 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 supposed to you know, you know, have a goal to be part of the the church triumphant in heaven in the mystical body of Christ. This is this is it's a mystery, but it's it's a community, um, and and God's very nature in the Trinity. And Damon, you do an amazing job articulating these these philosophical realities that the Trinity is a relationship, and at the very core of every soul and every person is the necessity for community. Yet we so easily fall to selfism and our and, and our own whims and busyness. And this is, and busy, <laughs> but this is where marriage is sort of an opportunity for us to start of modeling and growing towards what our destination really is supposed to be. Mm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that you know we have such a great view of marriage, you know, through our faith, and yet there's also the cultural realities and and all the the brokenness, the you know the partial views. There's still witness here to what God, as you said, put into our uh, put into us and what He created with marriage. That there's just a lot. There's a lot to do. Mm. Yeah, and and you mentioned Damon about you know getting. Uh, friends of yours, people that you know, uh, separated, divorce, and stuff like that. And uh, what a shame, because I would say even in my own marriage, we, we all three of us know that you go through the ups and downs, mm-hmm. right? The uh, the peaks and the valleys. Yeah, just and, talk to our wives. Yeah, right? And and honestly, if you're married and, and you say you've never thought about getting divorced, you're, you're lying, probably, right? <laughs> at some, <laughs> at right, some point. Right. Every, right? right? I mean, tell me what's this <laughs> true, right? <laughs> um. And unfortunately, if you don't s- stick it out, like you deprive yourself, like I've, I'm just, I've been married 18 years now. And in the last, you know, couple of years, like my wife and I just, just, just newfound uh, understanding of each other, mm. um, emotional intimacy w- with each other that, that we didn't have before. And I would say uh, a lot of that comes just from having gone through the trials together and you get to know each other so much better over time, and uh, and you know if you don't if you don't stick it out, you don't get there. You you you, you miss all of that, and it's becoming so apparent to me, you know. And and I have a friend of mine, uh, John Kistler, who talks about his parents and how they were like bitter enemies for a long time when he was growing up, right? And then in old age, he said it was amazing to see them change. His mother got sick and. His uh, father really he said became do- doted on his mother. He said like their whole relationship changed, you know. Mm. And they were married probably for forty, fifty years, something like that. But but they stuck it out, and they got to a point where he said it was really a beautiful thing to watch uh. my dad care for my mother uh, towards the end of her life, you know, and and how happy they were together to be together. Mm. So yeah. you know, it, it's any yeah any adv- powerful yeah. I mean so. I don't know. Sometimes there's been times I felt like I've been white knuckling it <laughs> early on, yeah. and sometimes yeah. that's the yeah. best you can do. But God, God, you know, God bless you, Damon, for all this phenomenal work. I'm going to go check this out. It's called that what the Ep- Epic Intimacy Challenge, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. EpicIntimacy.org give you the free four day challenge. It's just email drip questions. It's ten minutes a day with some videos, some experts, mm. and it's part of a larger program. It should lead into a, a larger Epic Intimacy series. That um, that really gets into the depth of some really thirteen of the most uh, uh, the experts that Melanie and I just just really trust when it comes to marriage in a whole array, array of, uh, of of points. So it's it's it's, it's I, I haven't seen anything like it. So it definitely is unique in in our space. So Damon, normally we do a glory story, you know, a conversion story, all that stuff. We've done that with you before. So what I really want to do with the last two minutes of the show. I want you really to talk about what you want the men and the women that are watching this pro or listening to this or watching it because, you know, we're being broadcast throughout the world, I'll say. Um, (laughs) Where do do you what do you want them to go to? Obviously, there's epic ministry. They still have access to the marriage summit if they want. Yes. Talk to the men. Let's get these guys and and the women that that are listening involved. You've got two minutes to, 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 to direct them. Why don't you go and run with that the last two minutes? Yeah, I'll speak to, uh, to the married men in particular. Um, you know, we have a, a vocation that, that, that changed us at the altar. 
And the idea that somehow we know what we're doing, we have to disabuse ourselves of that idea that, and it's not just men, it's not just women. Marriage is, a, is your marriage is unlike any marriage that ever existed before. Mm. And yet it's part of the truth about what marriage is. But you are unique and unrepeatable. Your wife is unique and unrepeatable, your husband. And in that sense, what you've got together, there, there are principles, there are truths, there are goals, there are origin stories. But everything you're doing, you're forging something new. And first, I would recommend just uh, honor that, honor that, know that your marriage is worth it, and that in that marriage, that give each other permission to be beginners. Mm. And this idea of you know all or nothing, that the marriage is either making me happy or it's it's making me miserable. Those are the world's standards. We signed up for something different at the altar, and that that relation that was established there at the altar made you husband and wife like father and son, like brother and sister. And you can never be unsunned. You can never be undaughtered. So the relation is, the question is, how will you build the relationship from it? And in that sense, we have to put the work in, in order to allow not just to get the marriage we want from the marriage we have, that's our tagline, but in order to get the marriage that God wants for us. And that is a marriage for joy. Mm. Not necessarily happiness, but for joy. Joy is that, that deep abiding knowing that you belong to someone that your love for who you are, not just for what you do, that there's something about you that the world has never seen, and that the frustrations, the doubts, the pains, the hurts, the wounds, things that happened before you met each other, things that you've done to each other over the years, all these things are not failures. They're opportunities for us to co- grow into the depth of exactly what we just heard the story George was saying, that these, op- these are opportunities for us to come closer to each other, to ourselves, and to God. So being able to see it that way requires a community. So I would invite all the men uh, to come to us at joyfuleverafter.org. I don't want a lot of URLs around, but joyfuleverafter.org. You'll find the Catholic Marriage Summit. You'll find Epic Intimacy. Um, but you'll also find a community of people that are struggling together to get the marriage they want from the marriage they have. So come to joyfuleverafter.org. Take a look. Take the lead and uh, surprise each other by just reminding how much you know this marriage means to you and to your future. Wow. Damon, thank you so much. I could not have think a thought of a better way to, to finish our program. I want to really encourage every man and woman to go to joyfuleverafter.org. That's the message of this program. Let's let's support Damon in his cause because he's supporting us. And we need what Damon and Melanie and this ministry is bringing to us because marriage is maybe the surest path for the, the laity to come closer to God. So, Damon, thank you so much for your blessings. We love you. We support you. And God bless you guys out there. George. Billy, see you in a month. We will Merry see Christmas, you. everybody. Merry Christmas, everyone. God bless. <laughs>